Good evening and good evening. Thank you for joining us today. I bring you greetings from Zion Hill Church family. Guess what we're going to be doing today? We're going to be looking at the book of First King. The book of First King. I want to encourage you after I discuss this book with you, Infest the time to read the book also. The purpose of my giving you an overview picture and some lessons from that book is to encourage you so that when you read it, you will say, oh, I see that. Oh, I see how this connects. Oh, I see the point pastor is making. And all of it begin to make sense to you. So please, don't hesitate to read the book. The word of God. What can we learn from the book of 1 King? The first thing I want you to know is that we have 1 King, and the next time we will talk about 2 King. But really, the two books are just one book. In our Bible, it's separated 1 King and 2 King. But really, it's just one book. And the second thing I want you to know about the book of First and Second King is that it, it's about kings. Just like the, the name says, it tells you about kings, what they did, what kind of leader they are. That's significant because you might be wondering, why do I have to study about kings? Of what good will that do for me? But I tell you the importance of it. Kings are leaders, right? Guess what? You yourself, you are a leader. You may not have a crown on your head, but in the sight of God, you are kings and queens. Maybe your leadership is to your children. That's serious leadership. That can make or destroy a whole generation. So you need to know about leadership. There are other kinds of leadership. Maybe you're a pastor watching me right now. Guess what? You are a leader. So you need to know about leadership. We have leadership in government. Can you imagine if the leadership of a nation is no good? The whole nation is in trouble. Can you imagine if the governor of our state is no good? Guess what? The whole state is in trouble. And you have to pray hard that those leaders don't stay there for too long. <laughs> what am I trying to tell you? Leaders or leadership cast long shadow. You show me a good parent. I will show you children that will do well in life. And you might say, whoa, pastor, are you trying to tell me I'm no good because my children don't turn out right? Well, I don't want you to look at things from a negative standpoint. Flip that around and learn today about good leadership and then begin to implement that in your own life, in your family, so that you and me, all of us, we can turn out to be good leaders in every area that God called us.
The first leadership you're going to learn in the book of 1 King is that of David. You remember when we were dealing with the first book of Samuel, second book of Samuel, we traced the leadership of King Saul, and then we, 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 we got to the, the leadership of David. So in this first book of First King, the first leader you're going to confront is that of David. David did a lot of good things. I don't want to rehearse all of his accomplishments. But at this time in First King, he's getting old. And you know what's going to happen. I mean, when people get old, kings come and kings go. So at his old age, He's about to pass the baton to his child. And that child is a gentleman by the name Solomon. So David basically calls Solomon to his side and trying to prepare him for the leadership. By the way, please permit me to stop and talk a little bit about the importance of passing the baton. If you're watching me right now, maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a leader in the community. Maybe you are head of department or supervisor on your job. You need to realize one thing. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. So that means even though you're the boss right now, even though you're in charge of that department, whether it's the music department, whether it's the media department, whether it's the women department, or children, or nursery, or what have you, whatever God puts you in charge right now, begin to think of passing the baton to somebody else. If you leave as if there's no tomorrow, you'll be shocked that all of your accomplishment will be messed up because you did not prepare anybody else to succeed you. Passing the baton is so important. Have you ever seen a, a relay race before? I don't know. I think they have that here in America too. And you see somebody will run and run fast and pass the baton to the next runner. And the next runner will take that and run with it and then pass the baton to the next one. And the next one, will, I mean, you're picking up speed. You're trying to get things done better. And eventually, you're hoping to win. But can you imagine the first person that started the race? Can you imagine if you start running all around the field and never pass the baton? <laughs> They're going to lose <laughs> because fresh people are getting the baton in the other team and the same guy is running and running until he gets tired and collapse and fumble. <laughs> many people in ministry hold on to the baton so much that they died with the baton in their hands. Now you wonder why some churches don't grow? Hey, don't turn me off. You wonder why some families are not making any progress? Because somebody who had the baton refused to let go. The first lesson I want you to pick up in the book of 1 King is that David 
He became king. He did a lot of things. You remember how he conquered Jerusalem and renamed it the capital of Israel. He called it Zion. You remember how he, he united the whole kingdom, the north, the south, everybody under the same umbrella. You remember how he brought the Ark of the Covenant with dancing. I mean, he did a lot of things. But guess what? Homeboy is now old. He has to pass that baton to somebody else. Let that be a lesson for you and me. Don't hold on to whatever you're in charge of now until the whole house collapses on your head. Can I be real with you? I've been pastoring this church called Zion Hill about 24 years now. Guess what? At the back of my head, I'm thinking, who can I pass this baton to? That's very important. Yes, God has helped me to accomplish a lot of things. But it's equally important that I don't die with the baton in my hand. Whoa. <laughs> I told you this book is full of, of revelations. David summoned his son. And guess what he, he did? He gave him his last word. That's very important in passing baton. Guess what David told Solomon? He told him about God. Don't forget God. He says, son, don't forget the commandments of Almighty God. Guess what else he told Solomon? He said, do not forget the covenant of God with Israel. I can stop there and teach you and me. Valuable lesson. People ask me all the time, everywhere I go, what does it take to succeed in life? Well, I just told you. <laughs> the first thing, you got to have God in your life. Did you get that? Make a note. Put it down. <laughs> God is so important. Without God, we can do absolutely nothing. You know, the other day, uh, I had Father's Day. I'm, I'm glad you, you all have. Many fathers have. And my children, just like any other children, they got around. We love you, Daddy. Okay. All right. They give me gifts and all that stuff. Just I know you did the same thing. But I sat all of them down. Just like David is not doing with Solomon. I told my children, I said, children, listen to me. I'm grateful for all the gift. Thank you that you all came home to honor your dad. But let me school you. Let me tell you. There are five things that is critical for your success. And that's more important to me than all your gifts. Oh, now, I got the attention. You know what I told them? Write it down. I may drop dead any time. God may, may allow me to live a long time. Don't matter, but don't forget this. I said, number one, you've got to have God in your life. Without God, you're in trouble. Without God, 
you can do absolutely nothing. I told him, God himself said, without me, you can do nothing. I said, children, did you all get it? Man, some of them are scared. They say, is he trying to die? Or is he, is he, what's going on here? No, I'm not trying to die. I want you to get this. I said, secondly, your family is very important. I said, if you never get anything from me, get this thing. I said, number three, hard work. I said, if your last name is Dara, you have to know what this family is about. We don't trip. You have to work hard. I said, number four, children, keep your nose clean and make all of them touch your nose. <laughs> Their mama is just sitting there saying, oh, Lord, <laughs> what have we started up in here? But it's very important to me. Just like David is doing to Solomon now, say, you have to get this. Your survivor depends on you. And then I told them number five. I said, look, there's the favor of God upon this family. I say, watch me. Favor will come upon your life. I say, you got to be attuned to opportunity. And when opportunity come, grab it. I told them, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of that opportunity. And I told my children, now, thank you. Happy Father's Day to me. <laughs> That's exactly what, what David is doing to his son Solomon here. He says, son, make sure you don't forget God. David told him three things. Number two, make sure you don't forget his commandments. And number three, he told Solomon, make sure you don't forget the covenant, the agreement between God and Israel. Wow. I believe with all my heart, if you grab hold of those three things, you see, David had three for his son. I got five for my son. Between David and I, somebody get it right. Believe me when I tell you, pound it in the head of all your children. Make sure they get it. Don't let them get away. That's how to win in life. Right after David gave that, that last sermon, or those last words, he died. Now, the amazing thing is that before he died, he worked with his son to make the transition. Now, this is not a good picture. Don't do it, but it's in the Bible, I have to tell you. So what they did was they began to assassinate all potential enemies for Solomon, so that when Solomon become king, he will have freedom. They killed three major military generals to consolidate power to their family. Don't be a part of them. They killed Jeho, jo, Joab, J-O-A-B. He's a military general. 
pound. They killed him. They killed another gentleman by the name Adonijah. Some people in the West call him Adonijah. They killed him. They killed another gentleman called Shimeo. You know why they were doing that? To consolidate power to their family. Please don't be a part of that. You know why our society is messed up like it is today? Many people think in order for them to go up, they have to destroy somebody or they have to step over somebody. Believe me when I tell you, it's not necessary. I came to this church about 24 years ago. The Lord used one young lady to teach me a song that the Holy Spirit used to minister to me. Ask me in that song. <laughs> I might choose not to tell you. <laughs> you know, that song, on a serious note, is very simple. The words of that song says, What God asks for me, it is for me. I know without a doubt, God will bring me through. What God has for me, it is for me. It's a little young girl, one of those Aryan girls. It changed my life. What God has for me, it is for me. What God has for me, it is for me. I know without a doubt that God will bring me out. What God has for me, it is for me. I am telling you, it is so simple, but it's so profound. I was shaking that day. Tears running my eyes. I got a simple revelation. And it didn't come from a bishop. It didn't come from some big preacher. A little girl, little preteen girl in the church. You know the message I got out of it, the revelation? You don't have to kill your opponents. You don't have to step on anybody. You don't have to join no clique. You don't have to kiss up to nobody. What God has for you, my friend, it is for you. Say amen to that. <laughs> But that's not what happened with David and Solomon. They got rid of all of their enemies. Okay. So now Solomon is king. And God asked Solomon, what can I do for you, young man? Now you're in charge. Solomon made a very wise call. That's very important. To, I can preach about this all day. Guess what Solomon asked for? He didn't ask for a nice house. He didn't ask for a nice girl. He didn't ask for a nice robe or whatever. All this stupid thing. Many of us will be trying to grab hold. Give me an aeroplane. Give me a yacht. <laughs> That's stupid. This young guy who is king, he asked God, for wisdom to rule and to govern the people. Wow. You talk about profound. 
Then look at God's response. God said, young man, not only have you asked for something so profound, but I will do a whole lot more for you. Because you didn't ask me for houses or land, because you didn't ask me for fame and all this crazy stuff, I will add all this other stuff to you. There's a lesson there. What is your priority? What is the content of your prayer when you get on your knees? Is your prayer always about gimme, gimme, gimme that, gimme this, gimme that, gimme that, gimme this? <laughs> That's why a lot of people still struggling. Have you ever considered asking God to give you wisdom? to be a good parent, to be a good husband, to be a good wife? Have you ever asked God for wisdom to be a good pastor? My friend, those are my own priority. When I became pastor of my church here, guess what? I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Never pastor any church have no clue, clue what the rules are. I don't know where to start or where to end. Guess what I asked God for? Wisdom. I learned that from this book, First King. I learned that from Solomon. I knew if I have wisdom from God, every other thing will flow. Oh, I wish I could testify, man. It is being a remarkable journey. Sometimes I'll be sleeping and God will drop uncommon ideas in my head. Whoa. I'll be honest with you. I was talking to my wife. She's watching right now. In fact, this morning, not too long ago, I don't know what we were talking about, but I told her, I said, baby, let me be honest with you. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not. A, people think I'm really smart. I say, I don't know. You know what surprised me? She said, I know you don't know. <laughs> I was shocked. I thought she'd think I'm a genius, you know. But she said, one thing I've noticed is that you have the favor of God upon your life. My friend, that's far more important than silver and gold. That will open doors of opportunity for you. When you open your mouth, wisdom will come out. I wish I can tell you how many people will call me on a daily basis looking for wisdom, asking for wisdom. How do I do this, Pastor? Dr. Josh, what about this? And I'm thinking, hey, what do I know? <laughs> But God have answered. My friend, you know what I'm trying to tell you? Seek wisdom. The Bible put it this way in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. Whoa. By the way, guess who wrote that? You can take a guess. He's the same Solomon we are reading about in the first book of King. This is the same dude. You know why he can say that? Because he tried it. It worked for him. 
His success is a result of wisdom of God. That's why Solomon said, wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. He said, in all of your getting, get understanding. So, continue with the book of 1 King. By the way, before I go further, the Bible also said, if any man, any woman lack wisdom, let him or her ask God, who gives generously. God will give you wisdom. I don't want to leave you thinking, okay, where am I going to find it? How can I get that wisdom? Just ask God. You don't have to be deep in Greek or Hebrew. Maybe you have broken English like me. Just ask God about it. Lord, give me wisdom. Wisdom to be a good pastor. Wisdom to be a good husband. Wisdom to be a good wife. Wisdom to be a good supervisor of my job. Wisdom to learn this new position or whatever you're faced with. So Solomon was blessed with wisdom. The next thing you'll find out about Solomon is that he built a temple. The Bible says, man, that temple was awesome. What is so awesome about the temple, it contains the same uh, detail as the old tabernacle that Moses built. But in addition to all those details, Solomon's temple have all kinds of gold and jewelries. I mean, fruit, fruit trees. I mean, angels. All kinds of amazing decoration. The Bible says it was symbolic of the Garden of Eden. That temple that Solomon's built is like you go in there, you have this wow factor. You say, man, I cannot believe this. You never can do too much for God. If you're a giver, give for the work of the ministry. One sure way to get rich, I wish I can testify, is learning to give for the work of the ministry. Solomon went all the way for God. That temple, what Solomon put together, was symbolic of the heaven and earth meeting together. You know what that really means? The presence of God. When heaven come down and meet with earth. Whoa. And you know something else about that that temple, not only does it symbolize the presence of God, it was a sign of excellence. I wish I have time. I can preach on that all day. My staff here, they're telling me, no, I need to keep moving. If you know anything about this servant of God, I love excellence. If you're going to do anything, we've got to do it right. Oh, Lord our God, the Bible says. How excellent is your name. His name is excellent. His work is excellent. His, I mean, his creation is excellent. He created heaven and earth. He took a look at it and he said, man, this is good. My friend, there's a lesson there for you and me. 
Let's live a life of excellence. On your job, excellence. In your family, excellence. In your church, excellence. Anywhere your name is represented, be an apostle, a disciple of excellence. I could testify how the Lord convicted me about that. And, and, and I have to lead my church, not just to be any other church in town, but to stand out. I'm telling you, and I hate to say it this way, but it's true. Because of this spirit of excellence, people will drive by our church today and they will say, that must be a white church. It's a shame that I have to make that reference. You know why? Because in their psyche, they don't expect black people like you and me to have a place of excellence. But God did it anyway. How did God did it? First, we have to get a revelation that God is a God of excellence. And two, we have to pursue the spirit of excellence. And I want to challenge you today, my friend, my brother, my sister. Whenever your name is attached to anything, if you're going to sing, sing with excellence. If you're going to play piano, don't just be wah, 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 wah. Oh, you're playing guitar. No, no, man, don't do that. If you're going to preach, it got to be excellent. Do you know why I can stand? Uh, sit, I'm sitting down, really, not standing. Well, you know why I can sit down with no book, no nothing, just just discussing a whole chapter, a whole book with you? Because the spirit of excellence is upon me. I have to study for hours and pray and organize my thought before I come before God's people. Whether it's before you or whether it's on television or whether it's Sunday morning, excellent drives me. And I pray that will be your portion also. You can do it, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, now I wish I can just close the book on that note. But unfortunately, thereafter, Solomon began to mess up. In fact, the Bible records every king after David, just about all of them. I would say most of them, because later on you will see how the numbers, I can give you the actual numbers, who are right, who are wrong. They, they become so bad, they run down the whole country to the point that the kingdom of Israel split up into two nations. How does that happen? Well, let me start with Solomon. You know what he did wrong that God don't like? Three things. I just want to break it down so that you and I will not fall into the same mess. You know, we can learn from the mistake of other people so we won't make up the same boo-boo. The first thing he did, he started marrying women from every country. Guess what he thought he was doing? He was marrying women from all these nations for political alliance. 
you know, like Maurice is here uh, recording me. And he got some his own staff and all that stuff. I don't know what they do. I just show up, run my mouth. <laughs> but supposing I marry uh, Maurice's daughter. And then in my mind, if I marry his daughter, then he won't mess me with me. He won't attack me. That's what Solomon was thinking. So for political alliance, I can preach there. You know what's messing up our society? Too much politics. It drives me nuts. Everything is political. You cough. We want to know. I wonder why. Why can't they cough? <laughs> I just cough. Yes, we should participate in our government. I encourage you to vote. And if the Lord leads you to run for office, praise God. I mean, I thank God for mayors and, and congressmen, senators, president, all that. But don't become enslaved to politics. He was marrying all these women, not two, three. I mean, this brother was marrying hundreds of women. Mistake number one. Mistake number two, then he allowed those women to bring the gods of their country. So if, if you marry somebody from India, that person brings Indian god. Marry someone from Africa, that person brings African god. Marry somebody from Russia, and now we've got a big mess in Israel. Keep in mind that before these women all show up, there is a God in Israel. Keep in mind, he gave them commandment. Guess what the number one commandment is? Thou shalt have no other gods beside me. He broke the rule. The third crime that Solomon did was not only did he bring all these crazy gods from everywhere, then he started to worship them. Wow. This is the same dude that his daddy on his deathbed, David, won him. David gave him his last word. Remember God. Remember God's commandments. Remember our covenant with God. He ignored all those. I can go on and on and talk about this, this guy, but you can see what led to his downfall. Well, when he died, because I got to move on for the sake of time, his own son, Rehoboam, succeeded him. Guess what you can expect? Like father, like son. One other thing that Solomon did that Rehoboam brought to his own administration is slavery. You know, we, we have all these protests going on, Black Lives Matter, equal pay and all of that, police brutality. It didn't start like yesterday. Solomon, to support all of his gigantic project. He had to enslave a lot of people. When he died, 
There were three things that was obvious about him. He, he had a lot of money. You remember God told him he would bless him. He was filthy rich. Number two, he had a huge military. Sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> ah, have you ever seen the U.S. say, we got the biggest military. We got the finest ministry. We can bomb everybody out. Lord Jesus, help me. Before I flip out. <laughs> and the third thing he was doing wrong was this thing called slavery. So when his son, Rehoboam, came to the picture, Rehoboam just simply continued the same government of greed, power, money, women, and slavery. Guess what happened as a result of that? At some point, the people got tired of it. And the country split into two. Now we have northern Israel. Now we have southern Israel. Rehoboam was in the north. And he did something else. Oh, oh man, I love this Bible. You won't believe what this dude did. He built two temples. You remember his father, Solomon, had a temple down south. So now he built two temples up north. And you won't believe what this I can call him like a feeling. Then he put golden calf. Are you listening to me? Not the Ark of the Covenant, because there's only one Ark of the Covenant. That was in the temple built by Solomon in the south. He put golden calf. Remember in the book of Exodus, when Moses went on top of the mountain to talk to God, and those, those, I'm looking for Christian word to describe. <laughs> they, they made up a golden calf before Moses came from God. And God dealt with them swiftly. And you would think somebody would have learned from that lesson. Now, the children's children of David. David begat Solomon. Solomon begat Rehoboam. And he went back to something that God rejected many, many centuries ago. There's a lesson there. Be careful what you adopt from your bloodline. Ladies and gentlemen, I can go on and on, but for the sake of time, what I want you to remember is that after Rehoboam, we have other kings. We had a king by the name Ahab, and you probably remember Ahab. Ahab, what you need to remember him primarily, because I don't have enough time to go too deep. He had a wife. His wife is called Jezebel. <laughs> you probably remember, you've heard about Jezebel. Jezebel is a woman that is trying to control her husband. And by the way, let me say this. You know I love sisters. Lord knows I love sisters. I thank God for every woman in the house of God. 
They are pillars of the church. They do a lot of great things. God used them to make things happen. In fact, I'll be honest with you, in my church, I can't speak for every church. In my church, the women are one of the strongest forces that God is using to help me make things happen. But there is something called a spirit of Jezebel. It's a spirit of control. It's one thing to be used by God, but it's a different animal to be trying to seek power and control. The Bible called that kind of spirit witchcraft. You don't want to be a witch. Yes, I said it. You know that ain't good. <laughs> you say, I ain't no witch. Well, the question is, are you trying to control people? Are you trying to manipulate people? I'm not going to get into details of how a woman can manipulate. Because I'm a get in the flesh, you know. <laughs> but you know, I'm free to discuss the word of God. Jezebel was trying to control King Ahab. And that was the downfall of King Ahab. The reason why I say that was his downfall Brothers, you cannot blame anything going wrong in your life on your wife for controlling things. No. You're a man. God put you in charge of your own home. So you can't say, well, poor me. No. The truth be told, Ahab was a weak man. A jellyfish. <laughs> no spine. <laughs> <laughs> Mama's boy. <laughs> I can go on and on. Another thing you need to remember about here, not only was he a weak husband, a weak king, his wife, Jezebel, took him into trying to kill somebody in his kingdom. You ever heard the name Naboth? Naboth vineyard. This guy had a vineyard and Jezebel wanted that vineyard. So Jezebel asked the man, me and the king, my husband, we need your vineyard. The guy said, no, I don't give a flip what you need. That's my vineyard and I'm not giving you. Guess what Jezebel convinced her husband to do? To kill that man. God was not happy with it. You know how God deal with this thing? I got to stop here. I promise I will stop. Because my staff, they're, they're really getting a little irritated. <laughs> you see, with all these kings doing all kinds of crazy things in leadership, God always raised up prophets. This is very important point. Don't turn me off. You know, the question must be asked, what are the roles of these prophets? You need to know it because there's a lot of people that goes around today professing to be a preacher, a bishop, an evangelist. And they got all these titles. I'm a prophet. I'm prophetess. Hear me good. So you would know when you see a good one, and you know somebody, when it's a fake one, 
You need to know how to recognize a fake pastor. You need to know how to recognize a fake preacher, a fake bishop, a fake prophet or prophetess. You know what those prophets really do is? Three jobs, three jobs. You ready for this? Number one, the prophets that God raised up, they were spokesmen. Spokesmen for God. Wow. When they speak, you can tell God is simply using their mouth to speak to the people. Whoa, that's amazing. Another thing you need to know about this these prophets, they are what we call watchmen. Watchmen in what sense? They watch over the word of God that God gave to the people. So when the king or anybody violates the word of God, the prophets will speak up. That's very important. Do you know one of the biggest problems we have in America today is that many people profess to be prophets and evangelists and apostles and teachers, whatever they call them, pastors. They will see something going wrong in the community and they zip their lip. A watchman will not do that. A watchdog will not do that. Prophets are watchdog. When they see you messing up, they're going to call you out. Don't matter whether you're a preacher, don't matter whether you're the mayor, don't matter whether you're the governor, don't matter whether you're the president or Congress or whatever. They were watchdogs. Remember the first thing I told you about them? They were God spokesmen. They just don't open their mouth loosely. When they speak, they speak as an oracle of God. You can tell God is speaking to you. Number two, they're watchdog over the word of God. And they call out if there's injustice. You remember the other day when the police put their knee, uh, one police in Minnesota put his knee on somebody's neck for almost nine minutes and killed that man. They will call it out. They're not scared. A true prophet will say, oh no, that's wrong. That ain't right. You're going straight to hell. Or, or whatever. They, they do. And you know the third thing they do, they will constantly challenge men and women of this world to turn back to God. You want to know a true prophet? That's what you're going to find. I want to thank you for listening to me today. The next time we meet, we're going to begin to talk about those prophets. We will start with Prophet Elijah. My friend, I love you. I love studying the Word of God. I thank God for you. And if you're watching me today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the only reason why I'm doing this. I want you to be a part of that Jesus Club. Jesus Club. There's a number under the screen. Call that number. Ask for somebody to pray with you. Let's believe God together. 
Believe me when I tell you, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same again. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next week. God bless you.